Hey friends. That was a weak ass intro, huh? <laughs> Let's be real. I don't have that much energy right now. Even though I slept all day yesterday, um, I'm still pretty in my zone. So, um, I just woke up about an hour ago, still drinking coffee. It's raining. Um, and my mind is heavy on some stuff and I'm just going to talk about it because that's what the fuck I do. Uh, it's Sometimes it's hard, you know, to articulate what's going on in your mind. Like, it's hard to articulate that into words. It's hard to put that into words. And so bear with me during this because I don't really know what the flow of this is going to be. But it's straight off the dome, genuine, exactly what I'm thinking going through right now in the moment. And the main way I can put what I'm feeling because I really had to ask God. That's what I just spent my time before this doing was just kind of sitting with God and asking him to show me something because I don't really know where to start and so I'm like why am I feeling like this like why because it's just like a heaviness I feel and um I can't lie I'm used to feeling heaviness like I feel like um most of my life has been heavy situations however I think what's happening in this time is that I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of the heaviness. Um, I'm tired of the constant self-evaluation. I'm tired of the constant mistreatment and abuse that I feel like I receive from people. And that abuse isn't physical. I mean emotional abuse, which is fucking just as if not more damaging um I'm tired of the self-sacrifice I'm tired of feeling like all those self-sacrifices still aren't enough sacrifices for me to feel like I'm sacrificing enough <laughs> um I'm just like tired of a bunch of shit like and I'm waking up to a bunch of shit on a new level. I'm having my own new level of awakening. And obviously that's going to take me to a new level, which coincidentally is going to make me have to face some new devils. <laughs> and um, I'm facing them like I always do. Drink something. I'm drinking coffee. Um, so I'm facing those and as I face them, I I don't just face them. Like I analyze them motherfuckers and I just kind of like to mentally break them down before I send them on their way because by, by degree, my study is sociology and sociology is half psychology have cultural influence on the psyche of the human being. So what sociology dives more into is 
why you are the way you are. Um, typically, how they determine why you are the way you are is environmental, cultural. When you study sociology, you learn that race by color is literally bogus. Like, it's so dumb. Like, it doesn't even make sense. If anything, we should all be categorized statistically by where we're from and not what color we are. Because you could have every race of people in one block and they're all going to share the same culture, which is going to give you the better ability to predict their behavior than the color of their skin. And so we'll get into that another time. But because my brain operates in that way of why do you do what you do? Not not what made you do what you did. That's what psychology dives into. Psychology dives into the thought process, how damage and trauma throughout your life affects your actual thought process, your brain, your physical mechanisms. Psychology has more to do with the physical um, flesh of the body, where sociology deals more with the outside cultural, spiritual influences and impact that has on the human body. So every time I look at a situation, I'm looking at the why did you? Because in my brain, if I can understand why you did something, that's where my logic is activated. If you try to approach me from a level of justification of your actions, you lost me and I'm not going to hear anything you said. If you tell me why you did what you did, like what your thought process was, what you thought your result was going to be, um, all of that shit, like if you give me that, you have a way better chance of getting through to me. And... So that's how I approach my new le- my new level demons, right? Is why did you choose me to attack me in that way? What was it about me? Because you didn't choose Becky, you chose me. So why? Maybe you could start asking yourself those questions. Why? And when I say demons, let's go into that, right? Because a lot of us aren't familiar with this jargon. So and a lot of us are fearful of this jargon. And that's really where these lower level entities want you to be. They want you to be fearful to speak on the shit just so you'll kind of shut up and you won't make them leave your presence. And so <coughs> um, <coughs> demon presence really is anything that's not of God. Okay. What does that mean? Um, we've got this distorted like view of God that he's like demanding and judgmental and always has his finger pointed at us and, you know, whatever. And if there's one visual I can change for you, I hope it to be that because God looks down on us how we look down on preschoolers, toddlers, right? Like they're so cute. 
right? Even if you don't like kids, like, there's some cute-ass kids. Like, they'll crack you up. They genuinely mean well. They'll say some crazy-ass shit. They'll do some crazy-ass shit. And they don't really know what they're doing. They're just copying what they saw, right? So you're not really mad at them. You might have to correct them so that they can fit into society and they know the rules of society and what you say and what you don't say and things like that. That's what we're here for is to guide them. And that's how God is with us. He's looking down on us like a bunch of toddlers, right? He has a big ass daycare center and we attend his daycare every day and he's probably exhausted with our ass, but we won't even go there. But so when he's looking down on us and he's correcting us, he's correcting us from that level of empathy that we have when we're looking at small children. You're not looking at these children like, you fucking idiot, you dumbass bitch. Why did you just fall down on the grass off of that tricycle, you fucking dummy? Like, damn, if you know anyone who talks to kids like that, please slap the fuck out of them immediately. (laughs) But me personally, I don't know anyone who comes at kids in that way, like in a ruthless manner like that. That's just like, your dumbass should have known better, you fucking dumbass two-year-old. Like... Mm, that's typically not the response you're going to get. And so to like to change your visual on how God sees us when we're going through this thing called life, um, consider life a daycare. Consider yourself a toddler. Consider God the director of the daycare. One of my best friends is a director of the daycare. And she'll be assertive. She lets them know, hey, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't bop, don't bop. But she literally loves these kids. Like, she goes out of her way. She's overworked. She's giving hugs and love and food and clothes and whatever it is that they need during that time. She is going to make sure that they get it. If their parents need it and she has a resource for them, she is going to get it. And I'm sure there's been plenty of times that none of us know about that she went in her own pocket and did something for these children. So think of life as the daycare facility that you are in. God is the director of the daycare. We have some babysitters down here that's guiding us. You want to call them pastors, preachers, life coaches, um, motivational speakers. All of these people are just in different positions in the daycare. They hold different positions and they help and assist in your learning and in your direction of where you need to go. We also have uh, (laughs) a tendency to just like be very harsh on ourselves, but very lenient on the demonic forces that are coming against us. Meaning we'll look in the mirror all day and say all the horrible shit we do, but we're not addressing why we do those things. Why are you emotionally disconnected? Usually, when you are emotionally disconnected, it's because someone forced you to be that way. Because somebody made you feel like your feelings were not valid. So why should I even speak on them? My feelings don't matter, so I'm not even going to go there. 
Who taught you that? The more you teach yourself not to speak on what hurts you, the more you allow hurtful behavior to continue to happen, you're feeding the demon. Because typically what starves that demon out, what starves that lower level vibration, what starves out that bad behavior is to literally starve it. So if you have continual thoughts of self-doubt, the only way to starve that out is to start believing in yourself. Even if it feels foreign. That's why a couple podcasts back I said, I don't like when people say, oh, don't fake it till you make it, blah, 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 blah. No, fake that shit until you make it because you're going to make it. Sometimes that's the only way to make it. Sometimes when you tell yourself, I know I can do this, I know I can do this. Yeah, you're lying to yourself. But by day five of you telling yourself every single day that you can do this, you can make it, you can do this, you can make it. Guess what? You're going to start believing that shit. Why? Because we're nothing but a big ass fucking robot computer program system. You have to re-fucking program your mind. Because somebody at some point told you you could not. Someone somewhere programmed you that you could not. And you never reprogrammed that. So that deep down programming that somebody when you were five, six, seven probably told you you weren't shit or you'll never be shit or laughed at you when you told them what you wanted to be when you grew up or you had parents that were emotionally disconnected. They didn't show you any love. They didn't talk to you. They didn't spend time with you. Um, shit, you, you, there's so many things I could say, right? Just the fucking laundry list of trauma that we go through just being alive, right? All of those traumas, however, program you. Your first time you get heartbroken, programmed. Have you ever went in and unprogrammed that? How many things do you need to reprogram within yourself and tell yourself, tell the program within yourself that you're no longer that? You're no longer that. You don't have to like be the same person your whole life. (laughs) You don't have to like the same things your whole life. You don't have to want to be around the same people your whole life. You don't have to want to do the same job your whole life. You don't have to live in the same house your whole life. You don't have to live in the same city your whole life. That does not provide you with stability. What gives you stability is stability of the mind. Peace of the mind. That's stability. Living in the same house for 25 years, some people might call that stuck. Especially if 10 to 15 of those years that you were at that house for 25 years, 
you dreamed about vacationing or living in another city or doing other things and all you did was daydream. You have a house of 25 years full of daydreams that you never did because somebody at some point programmed you and told you this is success. This is just what you do. See, if you're like 45, I would say, what's the youngest? I will say, if you're like, I'll even say, if you're 30 or over, if you're younger than that and raised by your grandparents, you might fall in this category as well. But 35 and over, your vision of success is marriage, house, kids job like that's oh maybe a couple nice cars right that's the basic that's the foundation of you're successful you live in a nice house you have kids good looking spouse good job nice car you got that right Now what? (laughs) Now what? You're 30 years old and you have all that. Now what? Next thing you know, you're 40 years old. You have all that, but now you hate your wife. Your kids are growing up. They're not home that much. They're doing their own thing, living their own lives. Some are at college, some just really doing their own thing kids are their own people they like to have their own fucking life so it just happens naturally um and you're looking at someone that you haven't gotten along with for the past 10 years you guys can't connect sexually mentally physically emotionally nothing even if you're being faithful to this person you're really not because you're probably lusting over people all the time that are not them and so you find yourself here And you're like, wait, I thought this was success. Or you find yourself with a baby, a baby daddy yourself. And you're like, damn, I fucked it up for myself. I fucked it up for myself. Or you find yourself like me, divorced, about to be 40. I'm 37, but you get what I'm saying? Divorced, three kids. Whoa, what the fuck, bitch? Everybody's going to run from that, right? (laughs) Oh, hell no. Divorce, three kids. Bitch, you should have stayed married. (laughs) And I'm laughing at my pain right now because it's just the reality. Um, So my point is that You followed all the rules. You did all the things that everybody said you were supposed to be to like be this successful, amazing person and happy and thriving. You just did it all. You followed the rules, baby. Right? Followed the rule book for life. And you find yourself just completely, really unfulfilled. Unhappy.
and you're like, so this is it, huh? How the fuck do you get out of that? What the fuck is that even called? A midlife crisis? (laughs) You know what I mean? What the fuck? So what do you do at that point? What do you really do? I feel like I have so much life to live. Like, dead ass. Like, if I get to live till even just 80 years old, I literally get to... That would be like me being able to restart my entire life from day one right now. With all the knowledge that I have right now, I would be able to restart my life from day one. But we never look at life like that. We're like, oh man, I'm almost 40. I gotta find this and you know like what the fuck bitch that means you still literally have one whole life left so it's like you have the first part of your life and then you have the second part of your life right and for some people the first part of their life lines up perfectly with the second part of their life and that's fucking dope and we like that we like that but for some of us that is not the case. For some of us, the second part of our life does not line up with the first part of our life. Right? But if for the majority, the first part lines up with the second part, or at least they make it seem like that because half of them aren't, but whatever. Um, then you feel like the oddball out when you're like, you know what? Uh, this was cool while it lasted. But, uh, yeah, I want to do something else with the second part of my life. You could deal with (laughs) crippling guilt for that. Crippling. Like, it could be so hard for you to want different for yourself when you feel like you've committed to this thing. Whatever the thing is. You might have became a nurse because your mom was a nurse. Your sister and all your cousins. And you never really wanted to be a nurse, but it just kind of came natural for you. For whatever reason, you're just good at it. So you did it. You made good money, so you didn't complain. But really, your whole life, you really wanted to be... A mechanic. You spend all your time working on that hot rod in your garage. And all the shows you watch are are those garage shows where they fix up the cars. And they go and look for parts. And you you just love that shit. Like when you do that, you feel alive. You got your music going. You're using your hands. The time flies by. You'll be in that garage for five hours. You won't even realize it. But it doesn't line up with what everybody sees you as. And God forbid those people look at you a little crazy. Or God forbid they don't understand. So you just keep living the life 
that everyone told you you're supposed to live so that you can look right for your 70, 80-year-old mother who probably isn't even happy with her life and wish she had the courage to do some of the shit that you have the freedom to do, but didn't. A lot of us look at our elders for examples of how to live our life, which is natural and that's normal. However, what we don't take into account is that most of them are fucking miserable and have been miserable for a long fucking time. A long time. A lot of your grandmas are only happy because they finally accepted the fact that they're not going to leave. They couldn't leave or, you know, whatever. And so they were like, let me just live my own independent life. Like, I have to learn how to find my own happiness in this. And they, they've gotten so good at acting that anytime you're around, shit looks great. But when you're not around, they don't even talk. They don't even like each other. It's hard for you to grasp that. But for a lot of you, you're holding and gripping onto something that has no value, that's dead. Because your family, your mom and dad were married this amount of time and this and blah, 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 blah. Like you're giving yourself all these reasonings that have no true logic behind it because it really has fucking nothing to do with you. Nothing. How many of you have sat down and really talked to your elders and asked them some real serious fucking questions? How many of you have sat down with your grandma who's been married X amount of years? Maybe she's never worked in her life. Always a homemaker and she's just the sweetest thing ever. How many of y'all have sat down and talked to her and asked her maybe just one simple question? Like, what do you think your life would have been like if you had the freedoms that I have now? Where would you have worked? What would you have done with your life differently if you could? We don't want to ask them questions like that. Typically, we don't because we think we, we think they're just so pacified with their life and satisfied. When they're sitting there taking all these medications, they have high blood pressure, some of them heart disease, cancer, all these physical ailments that are telling you that emotionally someone is imbalanced. Whenever someone is dealing with the physical ailment, there's an emotional reason behind that. There's a book on this. Um, oh, I got to think of it, but it connects every... It's a doctor who is an atheist, and he started to see... A connecting factor between his clients who suffered with depression and the physical ailments they were going through. So, for example, all of his clients who were on depression medication were also on blood pressure medication, were also diabetic, were also suffering from arthritis, typically rheumatoid arthritis. So for years, I think 10 or 15 years, he just collect, collected data and pretty much at a very high rate was able to connect emotional 
conditions with pretty much every disease. The name of the book is on the tip of my tongue. It's like called Emotional Diseases or something like that. I'll look it up. Um, But that's your first clue to give you an idea of how your elders truly feel. If your grandma and grandpa are still running around that house and they're having a good time and they're not really on too much medication, maybe a little blood thinner, maybe some real light that's just like part of getting older, you know, but they're living life, they're thriving. That gives you a pretty good indication that they liked their life. They were pretty satisfied with it. Wasn't too much stress, wasn't too much agony, too much pain. There was a lot of love. It was balanced. But when you look at your mom and dad or your grandparents and they have high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, um, you know, Alzheimer's, dementia, things like that are clear indicators of long term emotional neglect, long term stored trauma. That's not happiness. And a lot of them will be smiling every time you come over and this and blah. And you you almost feel offended that I'm even saying what I'm saying right now. Because your grandma's the sweetest person you ever met. And she's probably also the one that's in the most pain. Because she is so used to neglecting how she truly feels. She loves you so much that she will put on whatever show she needs to put on to keep you pacified and to keep up with the story she wrote. She started writing for you when you were two or three years old when this pain initially started and you were a baby. And she's like, oh, I can't have my baby girl seeing me sad. Let me let me freshen up. Let me splash my face with some cold water. Let me start cooking. Let me let me do some things so I can be who she needs me to be. Grandma's still being that person you need her to be when you show up at the house. But if grandma's dealing with all these ailments in her body, that's a scream to let you know that it might not be what you think it is. Maybe you could start asking grandma some different kind of questions. Drink something, please. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. I know a lot of men who are with their girl because, you know, man, she was there for me when shit was down bad. And I respect that so much, you know? light it if you got it I respect that very much but at the same time it makes me sad for both parties because she doesn't know that he's with her out of obligation And he will never be able to really experience a relationship fulfilling and full of love and (coughs) 
be able to give 100% of himself to someone that he probably really connects with in this season of his life because of obligation. And what's even funnier to me in these scenarios is that sometimes you're giving someone unacquainted loyalty or whatever, and they might be in the other room like, man, I wish this motherfucker would leave me alone. I feel bad. I don't want to leave, but damn. So my point is sometimes the parties both feel the same way, but social standards make you feel like you have to be a certain person or you have to ride it out, ride or die and all this kind of shit. And society will tell you that divorce will ruin your children mentally and just like all of these things. And so we end up doing so many things out of obligation. And that might have worked for a while. And I'm not saying it doesn't work now. I'm just saying, like, how long... (laughs) How long do we as a society continue to just, like, fake shit all the time? Maybe it's just me, but, like, I don't want a motherfucker to be with me that don't want to be with me. I don't know. It's just, like, weird. Just to prove a point, maybe? I don't know. I can see why the men stay, because they get such a bad rap if they leave, you know, or if they separate themselves from a situation. They just, like, get a horrible rap. But, um... Not saying women don't either. Come on now. I went through all that, child. I was every hoe in the book, every gold digger, you know. Um, (laughs) That comment was always hilarious to me when people would tell me I got with my ex-husband because I was a gold digger. There was a significant age difference between the two of us, and one of us definitely should have known him better. Um, But anyway... At that time, I was top tier. Like, bitch, I had abs. Are you playing with me? And I was dating college athletes. I was dating a lot of, like, people who had way more money than my ex-husband. And so if I was on a gold digger type of level, I definitely could have accomplished that a lot better than I did. Um... (laughs) just saying so for the record um I definitely got with my husband out of love I just ended up falling in love with him and we just have like had such a great connection in a lot of ways we still do um like our humor our sense of humor and just like the shit that makes us laugh has just like always been dope between us so that can bother a lot of people because we can still carry on in conversation and crack the fuck up so but if you told me I had to live with this motherfucker again I would go running for the heels honey because he get on my fucking nerves um more than five minutes I'm done (laughs) um so that's another thing that keeps people together too is that they may have a bonding factor that it just is what it is you know and so I understand where people are coming from when they self-sacrifice for whatever their reason is and typically it's because of their kids 
However, it's just like, how long is that going to last? Because your kids get grown, they do their own thing, and you're sitting there miserable, and you missed out on many opportunities to live a healthy, happy, fulfilling life. Um, Typically, why I feel like we don't do this is nobody wants to go through that uncomfortable stage. Nobody wants to go through that phase where you have no one, you're single, you're this, you're that, or you're getting to know someone, and you have to go through all the questions and all the bullshit. So, yeah, no one wants to be uncomfortable anymore. And that's kind of how I felt this morning, just uncomfortable. Like I had to cut off some shit that meant a lot to me, but I knew was going nowhere. And sometimes I don't allow myself to like feel real emotions on shit. Like, let me explain that. So like, say if I go into something and I'm already like kind of questioning things, I'm not sure, but then, you know, you end up kicking it with this person, you guys end up vibing. So you kind of put those concerns to the side and then you end up being right. Like whenever I find myself in these situations, um, cause I'm obviously dating. So you'll date someone, you think you're vibing, you think this, you think that, and then you realize it's not that. Like, accepting that sometimes can be a little hard. Like, because I will tell myself, like, girl, you ain't got no point being sad. Like, you knew this shit was what it was when you got there. So I don't know why you da 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 da. And it's like, I have to learn that I can still be sad about the shit. Like, I can still process it. It still was a real thing. And so maybe some of you suffer from that as well. Because I've learned me avoiding my emotions about it just prolongs it. Like, if I just let, like, if I'm sad and I'm just like, damn, that sucks. Like, I'm super sad about that. And I just let myself be sad and I just do a little, you know, sleeping and, you know, drank a little bit, go out with the girls, like, process that sadness. If I allow myself to process that sadness, it lasts maybe a week or so or, you know. Now, if I try to avoid it, it's like a month later that shit's still on my mind. Which opens me up to relapse right opens me up to want to call or want to reconnect or want to this because I'm still so sad and really the only reason I'm still so sad is because I haven't faced it I haven't admitted it I haven't dealt with it so it's still lingering right um I'm I'm not still sad because it was that serious I'm just still sad because I haven't allowed myself to process it and actually feel it so my body's like yo bitch we know you sad you need to admit you're sad so you can get this sadness out of your body or else that sadness is going to turn into arthritis muscle pain diabetes whatever it's that serious so stop storing those feelings down and thinking you're strong by not expressing them light something you're not strong by not expressing your emotions that actually makes you weak as fuck And I'm going to break down why. Somebody who can fully admit that they're sad, that they're hurt, that they're in pain and continue to move on. That vulnerability shows strength because anybody can go around and act like nothing hurts them. It's like almost like. Oh, God, I wish I could tell you guys what I see in my mind visually as I'm trying to explain this. Like, 
You ever seen someone clearly get hurt, but they're so prideful that they walk away and act like it didn't? Like, y'all ever watch Friday and that motherfucker get knocked out and he go get in his grandma's car and they're like, he gonna cry in the car. That's how a lot of y'all treat your emotions. Like, you want to walk around like the shit didn't hurt when everybody know the shit hurt. It clearly hurt. It would have hurt anybody. But you're like, no, it didn't even hurt me. Your lip bleeding. Your eye busted. You sad as hell. You ain't cracking no jokes. No, I'm cool. I don't even give a fuck. Nigga, yes, you do. It's clear. You give a fuck. Right? That's how we look a lot of times dealing with our emotional problems. And sometimes for me, I have to visually see myself looking stupid in order for me to change because I don't like to look stupid. So I'm like, damn, I look stupid as fuck when I act like that shit didn't hurt my feelings. There's not really strength in that, just pride, ego. Nobody needs more pride. Nobody needs to feed their ego anymore. That's for damn sure. So I'm hoping that We can all learn to be a little bit more genuine in our feelings. I know it's 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 still awkward for me, for sure. Um, I have to force myself a lot, but what I'm learning in it is that I feel way more. I feel lighter when I bite the bullet and I just say how I feel. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if I think it won't be reciprocated, I feel better when I'm just straight up genuine. I've learned in the past, I would say this year, my greatest lesson has been so far to be genuine with how I feel. I had a lot of pride before where it was like, if you hurt my feelings, I would act like you didn't. I would never admit it. Um, I was the cutoff queen. Like, you piss me off, I just cut you off, block you. I don't give a fuck. I'll never talk to you again. Very dismissive. And that was with everyone. Family, friends, foes, didn't matter. Like, fuck you, bye. Very mean girlish. And I, God let me see myself. And he was like, yo, you weak as fuck for that. Like, you think you look like a boss bitch doing that, but really, you're weak as fuck. Like, so what do you, What do I mean by that? What did God mean by that? And mind you, God comes to me as I am. So he might not come to you like that, but that's how God came to me. He's like, yo, you weak as fuck for cutting everybody off. It takes way more strength to talk a situation out, to confront a situation, to work through a situation And yo, if you keep cutting people off, you ain't never going to have nobody. And you know your ass needs somebody. We all do. And so I started seeing how really immature it was for me to just like cut motherfuckers off, block them, no explanation, fuck you, bye, whatever, I don't give a fuck kind of attitude. That shit was a raggedy ass attitude to have. And it was hurting me more than it was hurting them. So, joke's on me, (laughs) right? What I've learned since being more genuine this year, and what do I mean by that? Um, Literally genuine. Like, if you hurt my feelings, I'm going to tell you. If you pissed me off, I'm going to tell you. 
If I didn't like how you're moving, I'm going to tell you. Um, if I do like how you're moving, I'm going to tell you. If I really enjoyed myself, I'm going to tell you. Like, what I was just genuine. And I shared that genuineness with whoever was in my life. If I was going through a hard time, I wasn't scared to tell people, like, yo, I'm going through a hard time. If I felt like crying, at this point, I would call my friends and I would cry. And they would be there for you, bitch. You know what I mean? I learned how to be genuine. I was so used to putting on a show because I thought that was strength. I thought the less emotion I showed, the stronger I was. And that's just, it's actually the complete opposite of that. There is power in your, in learning to express your emotions properly. And not only that, you're more likely to get what you want if you say what you actually want. If you go with the flow and you act like nothing hurts you, nothing bothers you, nothing this, nothing that, then no one's ever going to change their behavior towards you. But if you really don't like the way a motherfucker is moving, if you don't like the way a motherfucker is acting towards you and you address that shit and you put it out on the table and you let it be known and you let it be clear that you don't fuck with that shit, then either you eliminate that shit from your life and you don't have to deal with it anymore or the motherfucker steps up to the table and acts right. It's a win-win either way. I know how hard it is sometimes to be genuine because you have to really open yourself up to a lot of shit. Criticism, you got to open yourself up to all the bullshit. And that ain't never fun. But you're never going to get what you actually want if you don't. Lighten the load, folks. Let a motherfucker know how you feel. Let a motherfucker know how they hurt you. Let a motherfucker know how much you like them. They might like you just as much. Let's stop living in pride. My dad used to say, pride ain't never got a motherfucker nowhere but in jail or dead. Think about that. I hope that a lot of us can learn how to be a lot more genuine with the people in our lives, with ourselves. That's what we're lacking right now is genuine. Everyone wants to talk about how real they are and no one's real. Because if you're a real human being, you have emotions, you have feelings, you get your feelings hurt, you have moments of pain, of sadness, of joy, you feel love. Now you give it, but you feel it. You feel loved by somebody. We're in a world full of robots, so the humans are starting to feel outnumbered. You know that your emotions are what make you a human. The ability to feel. 
Don't numb yourself. Like just express yourself. It'll be okay. It will be okay. That's all I got for you today, folks. I'm about to do a little cleaning. It's Sunday and I'm off tomorrow, so cleaning will be a lot more enjoyable today because I know I can still chill out tomorrow. I'll save y'all from my singing today, but until next time, my friends. Bye.